Juggling Podcast number 44, a chat with Matt Hall, and how to get invited to juggling conventions. Welcome to Juggling Podcast number 44. My name's Luke Burridge and I'm recording this live in Berlin. Um, no polar this week um, and sorry for the delay for the past few weeks. I've actually been working on a, a new podcast project, nothing to do with juggling. I'm not going to actually tell you what it's about, but if you manage to find it, maybe if you search for stuff online, um, look on iTunes or something, maybe you'll be able to track it down yourself, but otherwise I'm not going to start um, advertising that on this show. Uh, so, latest news, yep, yeah, back from the, the long shows and the long gigs that we did in South America, some really good stuff there. I will get all the photos sorted out, more photos sorted out and uploaded and put them online. Um, at the moment, though, Polar's taken the, um, taken the hard drive with all the, the photos on through to her parents' house in Aachen where she's working this week, so um, unfortunately I'm a bit stuck with, the, with all the photos um, and sharing those photos photos at the moment but uh, it's been a good uh, it's been a good time away uh, got back to Berlin it's been great catching up with uh, all the friends and stuff and juggling in Berlin again it's made me really uh, see how much I miss Berlin as a, as a place to go juggling as well of the, all the cool jugglers to meet here uh, this past weekend I went up to the Scottish juggling convention um, I'm not going to talk too much about it except that it was really, really, really good. Had a lot of fun up there. I was there just on holiday, no performing, no responsibilities at all, which was my big aim for the convention. Matt Hall was there, and of course that's what the, uh, who I, where I recorded this um, this podcast, or the main interview of this podcast today. And uh, Wes Peden was there, um, Luke Wilson, Sean Blue, um, Marco Bonissimo and his brother Jerome, uh, and lots of other cool people, lots of good friends from the UK as well. Lots of people from Rec.Juggling were there as well, so um, it's uh, probably got quite a lot of reviews on Rec Juggling already, I'm sure. But yeah, I had, I had a lot of fun. As I said, no performing. I did a bit on the Renegade, though, and had a lot of fun um, doing the music for the Renegade, playing in funny tracks and things like that. Otherwise, um, yeah, just a, a really good time up there. The best, One of the best Scottish conventions I've been to. Um, and one of the best Scottish shows as well. And considering it's the only Scottish convention show that I've seen that I've not been in, and it was the best one. I'm not sure what that's meant to mean, but there you go. Anyway, so to today's subject, well, of course, it's a, a chat with Matt Hall about Matt Hall and about how he began juggling. And then, of course, I really wanted to steer the conversation onto like a main topic and discuss it with him because we've both been to a lot of conventions and we both get invited to a lot of conventions to perform and do other stuff. So that's what we talked about. First, a bit about Matt Hall and then about how to get invited to conventions to perform um, and how to uh, be a conventioneer in a, in a kind of professional sense or a paid sense in a way, um, or at least not having to pay to get to conventions and things. And uh, if you're at that kind of level and you want to do it, hopefully you'll find our, our top seven tips or however many it is. I think we lost count actually how many tips we gave out at the end, but hopefully you can get something out of this. So without any further waffling from me, because um, I don't like talking like this by myself, without Polar. So we'll just get straight to the interview with me and Matt that we recorded um, two days ago. Hello, 
So, joining me now on the podcast is a good friend of mine and uh, someone I've met at many conventions in the past and chat to online quite a bit. It's Matt Hall. Hi, Matt. Hi, Luke. How you doing, man? It's good to see you again. Well, uh, here we are at the Scottish Juggling Convention. Uh, this is your second time here, yeah? It is indeed. I was here in 2005 and I talked to Azrael, Ruth, who was the organizer, and I kind of, back and forth, we went back and forth about, oh, it'd be great if I could come. Do you think I can come? Hey, and all of a sudden... I. They allowed me to come again. I'm very appreciative. Well, that's cool. So, Matt, this is what we're doing now. You're here, you're performing, and you're doing workshops here at the convention. But what I really want to do, first of all, um, before we talk about other subjects, is a little bit about yourself. You know, you're quite well known. Lots of people have seen you at juggling conventions. So why don't you just say uh, just a little bit about how you got into juggling and what you do and, um, and, you know, and some stories of how you sort of became to be a juggler and performer at conventions. Certainly. I started off juggling... When I was like 11 years old, I, I saw the Flying Karamazov brothers. I think it was their Showtime special uh, off-Broadway. It was their show. And I was 11 years old. I saw it, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Because they have different props. They use boxes, balls, bounce, clubs. And I said, I'm going to do that. So that day, I taught myself to do three balls. Cascade it took me like all day, but I got it. And then like any 11-year-old, I said, all right, Mom, what's for dinner? And quit and didn't do anything. What, and that was it? Just didn't even think about it again? Didn't even think about it again. Occasionally, like later in high school or maybe in college, if somebody said, hey, I can juggle, and I'd be like, oh, I can juggle too. Watch. <laughs> Three balls. Boom. Done. So I came to it really much later in life. I was 27 years old. I was living in Chicago, and I was working for the Japanese consulate there. And just across the street from where I worked was the WTTW Store of Knowledge that sold juggling equipment. And I saw Charlie Dancy's Encyclopedia of Ball Juggling, along with some more balls than most package sets of balls. And I was like... Ooh, should I? And I opened up the book, and the, I, the pictures were nice, and it's that dry, dancey wit about describing tricks. And he does a really good job of describing how to learn something. So I was like, dude, I'm going to go for it. Bought the balls, bought the book, and said, all right, I'm going to learn every trick in this book. And uh, I guess you must have met Charlie Dancy since then. Have you ever met him? Yeah, actually, I met him at the 2004 BJC at Derby, yeah. I think it was. And he walked up to me and actually said, oh, you're that Matt Hall bloke. And I was like, yeah. He's like, I hear you're quite keen about juggling. And I was like, yeah, you could say that. He's like, well, here's a copy of the Encyclopedia Ball Juggling. It was the new edition then, wasn't it? It was in Japanese. Oh, okay. He invited me back to his caravan and said, you know, there's not many copies of these in the Western Hemisphere. Check it out. Proofread it for me. And I was like, you mean I get to keep it? And he's like, yeah. And I go, well, can you sign it? And he's like, Sure. I've got it in my classroom. It's one of my most treasured possessions. Cool. So let's just go a bit about that because you sort of said, okay, I'm going to learn how to do every trick in the book, um, which incidentally is the, the, next, uh, the next title that Charlie's writing. He's writing a book called Every Trick in the Book. Yeah. So, uh, so, but you're saying about you're working for the Japanese consulate and, uh, you, uh, that's, and you've got a copy in Japanese. So why don't you just tell us why, why do you speak Japanese? I started studying Japanese in college. When I was in high school, I read the book called Shogun by James Clavell. I found it really interesting. I started kind of learning about Japanese culture and history. And then when I got to college, I took it as a major. Then I spent my sophomore year in Tokyo studying Japanese. And then I came back, finished my degree, and then went back to Japan to, to live and work and teach for another three, four years. Came back and worked for the Japanese consulate in Chicago. And now what do you do with Japanese? Now I teach Japanese at the high school level. After I finished at the consulate in Chicago... I went back out, I went, came back to California, went to Stanford, got my master's in education, and then now I'm teaching Japanese. It's been my ninth year. That's fantastic. So get back to the story of juggling. You got this book. You wanted to learn every trick in it. Did you actually manage to learn every trick in the book? Every trick that doesn't involve passing or multiple partner? Yes. Got it. Cool stuff. And where did you go from there? 
Well, as I was learning the book, I mean, that first year of juggling, I mean, I think everybody remembers their first year of juggling. It's just this cherry high. You want to do it all the time. And in Chicago, there's a pretty good group of jugglers all hanging out at Oak Street Beach. Tony Flowers is the main guy. And I ran into them, and they started teaching me tricks, and I, want, I wanted to learn my tricks. So pretty much every week, I would practice hard so that on Saturday and Sunday, when I went down to hang at the beach with Tony and the guys, I had something new to show them, something new from the, the book, because basically I was learning from the book. And that's how I got started. And then Rhonda Horweddle, who's one of the players in that Chicago scene at that time, I called her and said, hey, do you, are there any festivals? I hear there are festivals where jugglers are just all day, every day for a weekend or something. He's like, actually, there's one tomorrow at Stevenson High School. And that was my first festival. And that was in Chicago. Exactly. Yeah. And then a year later, after going to that festival, I performed at that festival and got a standing ovation. That was my real, you know, I, my first performance ever was Madfest in 98. And then another five months later, I did Stevenson High School, which had been a year now, and got a standing ovation. That, after that, I was hooked. I performed at every juggling fest I've ever been to except one. That's impressive. Well, it, for me, I, at one point, I just was like, you know, I've got this routine, and I actually started trying some stuff on the streets. You know, like there were street performers in Chicago, and occasionally I would go out on the street and just juggle. And sometimes people would give me money, and I never developed a show. For me, it was just I'm practicing, and if I put down a hat and people would give me money, hey, it's bonus. Yeah. So I, when you're on the street, you just start doing routines. You don't just do one trick and stop and one trick and stop. I just start playing with tricks. So once I had these kind of mini routines set, I, I called up Melonhead and T.R. Loon from the Madfest group and said, hey, I'm coming to your festival in January. Do you guys have a show? Uh, can I perform? And Loon had no idea who it was. I was just some guy. And he said, describe your routine. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm doing three balls and three boxes and one Diablo. And he said, well, what tricks are you doing? And then I described it. And he said, yeah, all right, we'll put you in the public show. And what was this act? Was it really just sort of like it, you look through Charlie Dance's book and it goes, to put together a routine, do uh, this trick, and you sort of work your way through. Was it that kind of thing with the three balls? Yeah, my three balls and the three boxes and the one Diablo were all inspired by Jeff Mason's uh, IJ winning routine from the 1988 video. You watch him, he does three balls, three boxes, and one Diablo, and he does them really well. But I kind of wanted to do that, so I had like you know, 25 drops, and the audience was really nice and friendly. And <laughs> but when you got the standing ovation that year later, or the five months later, how was that going? That was great. I was, it was still three balls, three boxes, and one Diablo, but it was much cleaner. I had been working really hard, and after that, I think I was hooked, and I've been doing it ever since. So you've been to uh, lots of juggling festivals. You performed at all of them. Is that? Uh, did you just do that off your own back? You know, you'd go, oh, there's a convention here. Let's travel there. Let's do the show, or let's do it here and put together a new routine for this place. I mean, tell us how you actually got into performing at so many conventions. I think what happened was that when I went to that first festival at Toss Up, and I saw workshops, and I saw performers. And I saw what they were doing. I basically just kind of egotistically thought, well, that's what I want to do. I want to be a player. I want to have a seat at the big boys' table. And to do that, you have to teach workshops or uh, perform on stage so people see you and know who you are. And so you get your approbation. You get your acclamation. Yeah. So I just decided to go for it and see if I could do it. it just like deciding to learn every trick in the book. I mean, why would you do it unless you just kind of wanted to do it? So tell, me, tell us a bit about some of the um, high, highlights in that sort of early convention performing time, you know, sort of in the first five or six years you're performing on, in conventions. Then. The, the first big high was getting invited to Stevenson. Like a year later, they said, hey, we'd like you to perform in the show. And then going there, getting the standing ovation, great. I, I, it paid off. Like I gave them back 
I paid them back on their kindness to me. They invited me, and I didn't want to stink it up and make them look like they made a poor choice. So that worked. And then the very first time I got invited to go to a festival, like, gratis, for not paying anything. And that was, I believe, the Coeur d'Alene Festival in northern Idaho. David Groth, who's a big player in the IJA, he started this new festival, and he said, we want Matt Hall to be our headliner. And I was like, what? I'm nobody. He's like, no, you, you should do it. You should come on out and we'll help pay for your flight and everything. And I was like, you mean you're going to, I don't have to pay to get there? You're going to pay me to get there? Awesome. Yeah, count me in. And so when I went there, I, you know, and there was not a big festival. It was a very small festival. So I was a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Yeah. And I taught a lot of workshops because there's a lot of beginners. So I just basically taught all the beginners how to do Diablo or bounce or boxes because I could teach beginners that because I was an intermediate. Yeah taught like five workshops did the show and it went from there yeah it is it is true actually one of the first times you get because i've been to lots of conventions yeah. and also as well i went to sort of maybe 40 or 50 conventions in a row and always performed either on the main stage or hosted a renegade or hosted an open stage sort of. so i was always someone who was invited to a convention or when i got there i was performing in the main show so i know how you feel about that the, one of the only times i didn't perform was at a convention that i, I organized and there wasn't a show there so that was a, a way out there so yeah it's a it's, it's an interesting thing and I, I can't remember the first time i was actually invited to a convention to perform but once I um, actually in, the, in, in one of the previous podcasts that we just did I was talking about the worst shows that was one of the worst times ever I'd performed at a convention before then but it was always just like oh do you want to be in the show like when I got there it's like yeah I'll be in the show and did it but the first time I ever actually got invited to uh, to come to a convention to perform it was it was really bad because they'd asked me in advance to do it and I sort of planned everything in advance oh, I'm going to do this hard trick and that hard trick and I practiced loads of really difficult tricks to put in the show and impress people and of course when I got there I was like knackered as I said in this previous podcast and, uh, and it all went completely utterly wrong so my big highlight of the, one of the first conventions I performed at wasn't that first one that I was invited to it was the second um, because then I realised that I should take out all the difficult stuff from the routine and concentrate more on interesting stuff so I wrote music wrote my own music and choreographed it to the music and wrote the music to the choreography piece and uh, it just went down so much better and such a good reaction so w to actually get invited to a convention for the first time is such a big boost because it's like oh you want me and then I wasn't just sort of like some random act in the first half I was like three acts from the end as well and that kind of thing is like yeah come on so uh, anyway another another highlight from you another highlight was probably the first time I went overseas or abroad to, to yeah. perform and that was once again being invited I didn't I don't think, well, the first IJA festival was definitely a big highlight, yeah. but that was just a trip I took. I paid for it and got there, and that was in Canada. Woo. Abroad, yay. I know, abroad, abroad, over the border. But let me see. Well, the first festival I went to, like, overseas, overseas, I think it was the... Was it the EJC in Svenborg? You know, I, I think it was. I honestly, yeah, because I had just finished... Uh, 2003 IJA Reno competition. I got yeah. the silver medal there. And actually, their invitation to me came prior to me winning the medal, uh, okay. which was interesting. I'm like, well, you'd think I'd, I'm a bigger fish if I've got the medal behind me. But no, they invited me, and I said, yeah, I'd like to do it. And then I went to the IJA, got the silver medal, and I'm like, yeah. all right, good. And they invited me. And it's Svenborg, Denmark. I'd never been there. I'd never been to Europe. I flew over there. And as you, as you know, man, that was a magical fest. Yeah, one of my favorite conventions, probably the favorite convention of mine, and so many other people there say the same thing. Yeah, I, I remember that because that, that was the time that we met for the first time. Um, yeah, it was great there, and um, I got you up on stage on the Renegade stage. But you're also doing the gala show as well. You opened the show, didn't you? Uh, yes, I think, well, there were two shows, and the first time I was, like, the second, and then they got rid of the hacky sack guy, 
and they and which was good and then they they allowed me to open which is also good because then I, I was able to tape down my cardboard so i could actually break down some yeah didn't you break a rib or something on stage broke two ribs between the first and second show that's harsh yeah, it was it was pretty. It, the first show, everything that could go wrong. That was actually I would count that as one of my worst shows. Yeah. When you walk out there and you the minute before you even juggle, you step on the the carpet or in this case cardboard, and it slips and flies away. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well there's my breakdancing platform gone. And then you know, oh, and the stage is wet front and muddy from all the uh, international juggling orchestra people with their ba- bare feet because Nils Pole had been swinging water on the. Head. <laughs> I'm just like, this is just a nightmare. <laughs> Just a nightmare. And then, to make it worse, after the show's over and I'm trying to set things up for the second show, I fall off the stage like a git and fall on some lights and hurt my rib. Oh, so it wasn't actually while you were on set. It wasn't when you were performing, was it? It was when you were setting up for the next show, wasn't it? Exactly, exactly. So then I had to face that going into the second show, but the second show went much better. The crowd was much more... I saw the second show. It was a pretty good show. For me, I was okay. I was, I didn't embarrass myself. It wasn't great. Uh, and especially, you know, I'm doing Diablo, 1 and 2 Diablo, and just the night before, Vooks from the Mad French Posse had basically... Yeah, ripped up on the yeah. on the open stage, wasn't Find it? Find the prop, basically. <laughs> you know, I'm like, ah, oh, man, forget. It. But I'm like, but he didn't do balls. At least I'm doing some ball juggling. I'm actually yeah. doing some five, four, five, six, seven, and yeah. blah blah blah. I actually spoke to. I got feedback from a lot of people about that. And they said, oh, all the side swap stuff was good, and the breakdancing stuff. And it's like, why? Why was he doing Diablo? And it was actually people there. They actually said that about you. It's like, well, there's loads of Europeans who do Diablo. Why didn't you? So I thought that was quite a, an interesting thing. So yeah, we first met there. What else were you doing? You were just performing and, and doing work workshops as well weren't you yeah i did a lot of workshops had a lot of fun doing the workshops i actually like that ejc style of just like i remember that first day walking into the the one of the gyms and they've got just walls covered in paper and you can just sign up everywhere so i signed up everywhere i signed up i think i did like eight workshops like one a day and then one day i repeated a bounce workshop and i remember being in the bounce workshop and like the bouncing from paris guys walk in you know what i mean and just watch and i'm like you gotta be shitting me pardon me if you no cussing sorry but Basically, you can swear if you want. Okay. And I, I went like, great. And so they're just standing there watching, and I'm teaching tricks. And, and these are your idols from the v- DVDs you are. All the videos I've ever watched. I mean, I haven't been abroad that much. I don't know these guys. They don't know me. Or at least I knew them, but they don't know me. Yeah. And I'm teaching their tricks, or I'm teaching some of their variations. And then I, I would go to them and say, hey, you guys are the ones. You want to jump in or take over? And they're like, no, no, no. We just like to do the tricks. We don't not care about teaching or, or we share with the – who cares? You do it. You look good. You're doing good. You're doing – and so – and that happened a couple times with, like, the Mad French Posse. I got to meet all those guys there, and I'd try a trick. And basically, I, the one thing I taught them was slack whips, the Japanese trick. Yeah. That was the only thing I brought to the table. Yeah, it was a new Diablo styles and stuff coming in there. No, I remember the, that was actually a really good um, convention for me as well. I was doing workshops there. I did, um, did a painful three-ball juggling or three-beanbag juggling, which was interesting. I uh, can't remember. One thing I do remember was doing the, the time travel workshop. And um, advanced time travel workshop happened first, in that, put that first. And then there was the beginner's time travel workshop. But you could only go to the advanced time travel workshop if you'd been to the beginner's time travel workshop, which was later on in the, in the week. But then at the same time as the beginner's time travel workshop, in another place at the same time, also led by me, was a paradox workshop as well. So it's just, a, just really mixing it up there. But it's, it's good fun to do those, uh, the, like you say, at the at the EJC and so many European conventions, they just go, okay, workshops, and just put the board up, and it happens. And I've noticed that when I went to America as well, like everything's set, you know, they have all the games written down in advance, everything, the exact schedule, everything's set, um, which is, I, I just, to be honest, I find that a bit more restrictive to actually learning, because you might think, I don't feel like 
doing that workshop now. You know, not as a teacher, but as someone who's going along there. So, um, yeah, continue. Where, where else have you been? Just list some of the other countries and conventions that you've been to, and I'll see if I've been to some of them as well. Okay, so, uh, and one thing definitely leads to another, and that's something I think I, I can put out there as, when I, if I took this opportunity, it led to another opportunity, and so on and so forth. Because I was at EJC, I met the Israeli group, and I met uh, some of the British guys, all you British guys. That was great, sitting around drinking wine. And then, yeah. So that led to my invitation to the BJC in 2004 in Derby. Yeah. When I was at the BJC 2004 in Derby, I met Graham. He invited me to the Scottish in 2005. Yeah. Then I got invited to the Israeli convention in 2006. And at some point in there, I, I met Mark Douglas from Australia, so I got invited to the Australian Festival in yeah. 2006 as well. And since then, I'm back here at the Scottish again. And the British again. And the British again. And this year. And then this year, EJC, I think I'm going to go. Cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and then also in America, of course, there's been many regional fests, local fests, and I, I love those. Some of those are really good festivals. So we, I've been to also a few of them, actually, as well, because... Um, because people say, obviously say to, to you, and when I go along there, they always say, oh, you're a guest at this convention. Who can we get next year? Who can do it, what you do? Or who can do like, lots of stuff and get invited along? And um, I say, how about Matt Hall? And they say, oh, no, he, he recommended you last year. <laughs> so the conventions that you've been to, you were at the um, Israeli one year, and we got invited there the next year, Paul and I. And then you were at the, um, the, uh, the Sydney convention as well, down in Australia, and I got invited the next year. And also, there's another one, the um, Austin Juggle Fest as well. So, yeah, down in Texas. So, um, again, these are all conventions that I turned up, and they would say, oh, Matt Hall was here last year. You know Matt Hall. And I was like, yeah, I guess I miss you at these conventions by one, one, one year. Oftentimes, yeah, I recommend you. And the reason I recommend you, same way I recommend, say, Ivan or some other people, is because you have what's, what I refer to as the full package. When you come to a festival you can perform in the show. You can teach loads of workshops in different disciplines and props. You can compare Renegade if need, or start a Renegade or MC the games. You'll be on the floor. You're accessible. You, know, you can hang out and just be with people and be normal. And, and that, that is what I consider you know, my ability to get to a festival. That's what gets me invited to festivals. I'm certainly not a great juggler. I, you know, everybody knows that. I know that. You know that. Everybody knows. I'm not a great juggler. I'm not a great performer. I drop a fair amount. I'm not choreographed to the music precisely by the millisecond. But I like to try. try I like to think that I'll bring some value to a festival. That I'll be there to contribute to the overall atmosphere. That people will learn stuff. We'll have fun together. And that's basically what I bring to the table. That's cool. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's something. If you're wanting to be, that's what the, what this the main topic that I really wanted to get to with this interview is 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 how to get invited to a, a juggling convention. One thing is just be fantastic, like someone like Thomas Dietz. He'll get invited to a convention and he'll do his show and he'll practice in the gym, and that's all you want from him because he's just so good. But unless you're Thomas Dietz or someone of his level, which the or yeah, Vovigel Chain or someone like with Diablo Rio Yabe or someone like that, it's. You, you just you might as well not put yourself out there. You know you're never going to compete against them. You could do the best show that you possibly could. Uh, of course, if it's something original or exciting or new or something like that, there is it is a way to get invited to a convention. But like you say, you need to you need to offer more than that, really, isn't it? Yeah. And um, so that's always what I say. You know, if someone invites me to a convention, I say, well, I could come along and I could you know perform in the in the show. But I said I actually want to do more. I want to do some workshops. I want to host the games. I want to um, host the show. Because to be honest, that's what I like doing now. You know, I can turn up and host a show, um, and it doesn't matter where. Because I've been invited to um, to uh, 
to loads of different places. Like Austria, I hosted a show in, in Austria, and people there, nobody spoke English, but I hosted the show in English. I was to the south of France, again, I was the only person in the whole convention who couldn't speak any French at all, but they asked me to host the show. Um, the same in the Netherlands, and in, I hosted a show in the Israel convention as well, and lots of places. So it, it's just being good at one thing, and people go, oh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get Luke there. And, um, and also, I offer good value for money as well, I, I like to think, you know, I I don't ask for a lot of money to turn up because, in a way, it's just the traveling which means the most to me. Um, exactly. That's exactly. That's exactly how I feel. A lot of times my deal is I'll tell festivals, hey, I'm not in this as a professional. I'm not trying to make a lot of money. I'm a, I'm a teacher. I have my own salary and wage that keeps me alive. So all I want is travel expenses, lodging. You know, if you can pay for a hotel, great. If not, I can crash with somebody. Some food, keep me alive. And that's it. If you got more money, great. But if not, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Yeah, I always just say that I don't want to. I never want to actually lose money going to a convention. If you know, if I'm going to be away for a while, sometimes I don't mind because, like, when I went down to Australia, I didn't make any money there. But but while I was down there, I did tourist stuff. You know, I wanted to see a bit of the. Yes, Australia. I mean, you don't get down there that often. You know, so I really enjoyed doing that. So to wrap up this um, this this part of this podcast say go on let's have your top matt hall's top five or top three tips on how to get invited or how to travel around or how to get invited to a convention i guess that's what i'm talking about here is like uh, to become um a professional conventioneer as i like to call it go for it tip number one tip number one uh don't be afraid to write the festival organizers and ask if it's okay if you come i almost have not a form letter but certainly i have a i have a way of writing them saying look I noticed your festival online. It seems like it's a great fest, or I've heard from people that it's a great fest. I'd like to attend. Uh, do you have any budget for inviting performers to come and join you? If not, I understand. I don't want to be presumptuous. But if you do, I hope you'd consider me. Number one, ask and you shall receive. That simple? That simple. I mean, how, how many conventions you at, you, have you asked and not been invited to then? I mean, is this sort of like, you, you, you put out, do you put out lots of letters? Like if you're, yeah. Is it like job searching? You put out 50 letters and get three calls back for an interview, and then you go, oh, and you get to one in the end. What do you get? I think my rate right now is around 90%. I don't, I don't ask unless I think I've got a fair shot. I, you know, I don't ask the small no- festival that's just starting out that has 10 people. I know they're not going to have a budget or anything. But... There are some, there's a couple of fests that I have not got, gotten. I did get the Netherlands, the Dutch festival, this May. I'm going to go there. Very happy. And then I'm not making a lot of money on that. I'm not making any money, but I'm just going. But the Japanese festival, man, I cannot buy my way into that festival. <laughs> and when you'd think, I'd be the guy. You know, I can teach the workshops in Japanese. They want the top dogs. They want yeah, but and also they they uh, they taught you most of your cool tricks, the, the tricks that you are well known for, like with Diablo and stuff, and, and these other things. And you come down when you see cow boxes, they'll own you in Japan anyway, don't you? Pretty much, pretty much. There's there's somebody better than me in every prop in Japan, but that's true at every festival. Oh yeah, it's every. Well, that's the thing. It's like you got to have the full package. Okay, here we go. Yeah, that's a good one. I've invited myself to conventions before. I say, oh, I'll come along and they say, okay, and I'll do this, and they go, oh, okay. And when I get there, they say, can you do something else as well? It's like, yeah, no problem. Um, Tip number two, go. Tip number two is don't be afraid to teach or share what you know. I mean, you may not, I'm not the best juggler in the world, but you definitely want to offer them workshops and teaching and sharing of your skills and experience. So that's why they want you there. Yeah. Definitely. Be, be prepared to share a lot, be either informally on the, on the floor or in the workshops. Cool. Um, tip number three, go you got to have a routine. Like you, I've never been invited to a festival just to teach workshops. You've got to have uh, at least some standing as a performer. I've had some good 
experience performing. I did get a silver medal on the IJ stage. Granted, it's not the best performance ever, but it gets you known. It gets you out there. And you look at someone like Michael Karras now, who's definitely had more success in the IJ and different festivals. So now he's getting real well-known, and it's all to his credit because he's definitely got skills. And he, but until he got up and started performing and showing people what he could do, you know, videos on the Internet will get you so far, but it's really about performing and people coming back from a festival and saying, his, his act in the, in the show was fun. That's the third one. Okay, yeah, I, I see that. Yeah, having some good, and it's also it's more than one routine. I, I'm, I'm, this is my this is my thing here. If you've just got one good act, you'll get invited to a festival. You'll get invited to maybe some festivals for one year, but then you're well known then, and lots of people would have seen you at other festivals. I'm not sure what it's like in the USA. Maybe they don't have um, that many pe- people in common going to lots of conventions, but certainly here in the UK and in Europe, um, you can only perform at maybe four or five conventions before. Like everybody's seeing your act for the second time or third time. What's it like in America for that? In America, it's a bit more regional. Like you could perform at two or three festivals on the West Coast with the same routine. And then if you go to the East Coast, well, nobody's seen that. And there's three or four festivals on the West Coast. Similarly, in the Midwest, same thing. But now I've been in the game long enough and been in America, enough festivals in America, that I find myself wanting to make new routines. Now I'm branching out more into the compare thing, which is very fun. So now I get invited to be an MC. That helps too. Yeah, you've got to have a variety of materials available. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. That was that was my that was my tip. So let's say that's what's that tip number four there? Uh, I think three. three. Have a routine, but then once you've done it, always start thinking about new things to work on. And not only this, but this is what I'm saying now that I worked on lots of routines over many years, and now I've got to because I've done that and and worked on lots of different styles of routines. So. Um, it got to the point where I was being invited to a convention, and I, and I say, "What do you want me to do?" They say, "We don't mind. Just do something new." Or, or and like other times, I was invited, and they say, "We want you to do something that you've you've not done before at any other convention." And it's simple for me to do that because I've always worked on new stuff. Um, and I was invited to a convention. I didn't go, but last year they say, "Have you got something that nobody's like no jugglers have seen, or you not performed at a convention?" And I had because I've been working on stuff new stuff all the time. And also, once say at the um, at the Nottingham convention. Um, I was I was asked, Can, we want you to come along, and they say we want you to do something clever, we want you to do something funny, and we want you to do something hard, like so skillful, funny, and clever. So I put together this little sort of like 15-minute piece um, where I did one video piece, one five-club juggling routine with comedy bits and pieces, and uh, finished off with another video piece which was funny and clever at the same time. So it's just it's just one of those challenges, and also use this use this as a sort of like. Um, something to push you into making a routine because you'll say oh I'll perform there and and just say oh and I'll do a new act and you might not have it but it'll give you like a few months in advance give yourself a few months and and it'll give you enough time to come up with something new that's a good point I mean festivals help me set goals and I'll maybe try and learn tricks so that I can share them in a workshop and say hey I'm not teaching the same workshop every time that that definitely keeps me learning tricks and similarly with routines like I have a bounce routine that I really love and I've kind of dusted it off and really been working it and reshaping it these past months or two, and I was going to do it here at the Scottish Festival. Well, the stage is crap, so I'm going back to the, the new one Diablo, just one Diablo regular and Vertex routine that I did at IGA, but I've only done it once or twice. I'm going to try and do it here tonight. Cool stuff. Um, point, that was point number four. Oh, 
that's also what I was going to say about this. If you've got lots of routines, you can put it together in a full show. And if you can offer, like, not just an, an act in a show, if you can offer a full show, or if you're, if you're offering to host a show and you've got different segments that you can put in there, I found that very, very handy. People say, we want you to come along and do a show. It could be 25 minutes, it could be 45 minutes. And we've been invited to a, a few uh, conventions, Paul and I, to do, to do longer shows, and me as a solo performer um, to, do a, to do a full show as well. Matt? I've done that once at the Humboldt Festival. The first time I got invited to the Humboldt Festival. Wait a second. Was this your Around the World with Juggling show? I heard about this. I read it on your website. Uh, it was uh, pretty bad. I, I mean, like, I had the DVD of the entire... They wanted me to do an hour, and I had never done an hour. But I had enough... I had a lot of routines, so I figured, okay, all I need to do is give myself five or maybe even ten minutes between each regular juggling routine to music yeah. to get myself through the hour. So, okay, I'll tell a funny antidote here, a little Japanese thing here, maybe a rock, paper, scissors, look over there, challenge, and then I'll do some other routine. I mean, it was just a hodgepodge. I had no idea of constructing a real hour-long show. But did people enjoy it? I think, I think some people did. Like, some people like little pieces. Like, I think if you said, what was, how was the whole show? They'd be like, oh, it was all right. Or it was Matt, you know, and that was like 2004, so I was still a little bit new in the game, and they gave me a little bit more leeway. Yeah. They said, ah, you know, they don't expect much. But if I tried to do that now, I would crack. Okay, so that, we'll call that tip number five, be able to offer a full show. Um, tip number six? No, what were we up to? That was five. Six? Okay, go on. Anything else? Let's just wrap it up here. Uh, yeah, I, I really think it's just about being, trying to be humble in a sense, but at the same time promote yourself in a positive way so that people realize that you're out there and that you do want to attend their fest. For me, once again, it's all about the fest. So it helps me. I set goals to go to festivals, and I try to achieve them and, and, and try to give something back. Be worthy. That's the final phrase that I use all the time. I, I go to the festival organizer at the end of the fest. It's usually just me and them sitting there in the, at the end, eating food, resting. And I say, I hope it was worth your while. I hope I was worthy of your, your money and time. And I've never gotten a negative response. And they say, no, it's great. And then I maybe even ask them, hey, if, uh, could I use you as a reference? And that works. Works really well. Yeah, one thing that I'd often do, I've done it at a few conventions if I've been invited along. I would say beforehand, I say, I want, of course, you know, you pay for my uh, workout with a flight and any kind of travel and any expense that I have. And I said, if you've got any, if the convention makes any money at the end or if you've got some profit left over or something like that, I say, I'm, I'm, I'm open for that. I said, but wait until the end of the convention first to see how much money you've made at the convention, but also how much you think I'm worth, you know, and just you pay me what you think you're worth. And of course, it's never going to be as much as a, a proper paid gig, but you can often, I can, I'm often surprised at sort of at some smaller conventions if I've put a lot of work into it, put a lot of effort into it. You know, they're, they're willing to, they're willing to, 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 you know, pay back that in cash. And it's really nice when that happens and I go, oh, I wasn't expecting, say, $500 or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, Israel did that for me, actually. I remember the festival organizer just kind of walking up, walking up and saying, here's an extra yeah. X amount of shekels <laughs> or, or whatever, right? And I, and I was amazed. I'm like, wait a minute, you already paid me. We already worked out everything. And he's like, no, no, we got a little extra. I'm just giving it up and giving it to the performers to, to show our appreciation. And I, Israel Fest is fantastic. I read your diary about it. That's what made me want to go there. So um, I think my final thing would be um, to talk to other people, like talk to other performers and ask what are the good festivals to go to? Where y You've just seen my act. You've just seen my act. Where do you think I would fit in? What kind of level of convention or who, who's the organizers here? So I think that would be my final tip is if, you, if you've got some good um, the performers that you admire and, and you want to sort of do the same kind of thing or go to the same kind of festivals as them, ask them about it. Ask their advice about which convention to go to. 
Totally, totally. I mean, Ivan went to a festival in the east, on the east coast of the United States called the Hurricane Hugo Fest. He came back and said, it's a great fest. You've got to do this. And I said, all right, well, did you tell them to get me next? And he's like, no, but if, maybe I can do it if you want. He's like, no. I, I said, no, I'll contact them myself. I know a couple of the organizers. That worked out, and that was a great fest. Same with the Dutch convention. I know uh, Niels Dunker. And I kind of went to him and said, hey, man, I'd really like the shot if you could think you can swing it. And he was like, yeah, let me talk to the organizers. Uh, they know you, and we'll see what happens. And it's happening. I'm so excited for May. Yeah, the Dutch festival for me was a big one because uh, just as I'm saying, just share some stories about our favorite conventions. I guess that's a good way to wrap it up. That was for me because I'd done conventions beforehand and I'd been the last act in some conventions, but they were smaller conventions. And then I'd been, done stuff at a national convention before. I'd been to the, like, the British convention that year, 2004, and I performed in the British juggling convention. And that was a big, um, a big kind of uh, thing for me, you know, to perform at a national convention stage. It was a big, big thing. And then I went along there and um, they were working out the, the, the number, who was doing this and who was doing that, and, um, and working it out. And they said, you wanna, you, we want you to ha- be in the second half. I'm fine about that. And they said, oh, and Tony Freyborg's coming along, and he's going to be doing the final action of the show. And it's like, fair enough. And then the show, we're counting down to the show, and Tony hadn't turned up there. And then they were going a bit long, and the show started, and Tony still hadn't turned up. And they said, oh, I'm not sure how this... And then in the end, of course, it turns out that Tony just wasn't going to come. He, you, you knew that he wasn't actually going to... It was a no-show for Tony. Um, and they just said, you, you, will you be the uh, final act then? And I was just completely blown away by that. And I thought, me, the final act? And I thought... At a juggling convention, there was two shows as well, you know, maybe 800 people there. And that was a big, big thing, and I could step up and... I rocked, you know, I, I can say that now because I went, I went out there and I was just like, no, this is really good. And um, I was talking to some friends afterwards and they, they were sitting there thinking, oh, Luke was in this show. When's Luke? You know, and it got all the way to the end and they went, ah, and they're like, oh, I'm not really sure Luke's good enough to be the final act in the show. But they said afterwards, no, you were. It was a good, it was a good end to the, um, to the, to the convention show. And that's, I actually performed that um, act a few times that year at different, uh, different conventions. I had a lot of fun with it as well. That's, I finished off with a three ball routine, you know, no video at that point um, but uh, it's a good way to wrap up a convention uh, show like that so uh, another highlight for you, from you Matt good story for me I think well closing the show at the Scottish two years ago it went really well I did a, I did a three, four, five, seven ball routine that at that point I was really pushing technical I was doing five ball mills and different yeah. tricks and then my one and two Diablo routine which actually went reasonably well I just incorporated you did that earlier on though the Diablo routine didn't you or was it all, all, all in one, one shot all in one shot I did the balls then the Diablo and that was the end of the show and it went reasonably well I was pretty happy with it I had some. I remember it was the one time that I had a tangle on a, on a sprinkler or a hyperloop and I had to ditch my Diablos and sticks and bring out my spares but, that was, but aside from that one big mistake the rest of it went really well. I was really happy with the ball routine, especially. Israel was a huge highlight. Doing Once again, I did two, shows, uh, two acts in the show. I did a tennis ball can cigar box routine at the start to, to kind of open the show. And at the end, I did the balls and Diablos. And that one, once again, I hit a B633-63 with a machine carry on the first try because Scott Seltzer dared me to in the gym that day. And I hit it on the first try at the end of my five-ball routine and looked out in the audience, and he's just, like, shrieking like a banshee. And I'm like, yeah, baby. Then I did my one and two Diablo routine, and it kind of was weak. But during the two Diablo routine, I started going too high. I did a too high pirouette, then too too high, high, low. And one of my Diablos stuck on the cable that was strung above the stage hung there and spun across the cable and I walked across and caught it as it fell. On the string or just in your hand? In my hand. And then threw and looked at the audience and said, well, I'm done with two Diablos. I just threw it (laughs) off the stage and did my final pirouette behind the back whip catch. Boom, done. 
And that, I mean, the end of that show, that had Maxime Camaro and Trespass and Get the Shoe and uh, Le Petit Travers. And we had like seven or eight curtain calls. Like they, they just wouldn't stop. They just, and I've never been a part of that. And then finally, emceeing the BJC was a huge thing. When they fly me over the second time to do the BJC, and then I go, well, what am I going to do? I already performed last time. I did two acts in the 2004 gig. And they said, well, no, we want you MC." And I said, all right. And then I took your workshop. And I did the first show. Well, we'll get on to that in, in maybe next week's or the next podcast that we do, because that's going to be all about workshops. Yeah, we're going to do, we're going to do a workshop workshop. First of all, how to get, get stuff out of workshops, because we both like going to workshops, and we've both been to many of them. Uh, and also, we'll be talking about how to run workshops, or our thoughts. Well, mainly Matt's, to be honest, actually. Mainly Matt's going to be talking about running workshops, because he, he does a lot more than me. But I'll be uh, putting my thoughts into that. So that'll be the next, the next podcast that... Um, Matt and I do together. It might not be next week's, but it might be. We'll just do a double bill, you oh, know. Get it yeah, done. get it all out of the way. So um, I think that's it. Anything else you want to just say at the end of this? Um, at the end of the end of this podcast, anything else? Just want to say thanks, man. It's great to see you again. It's uh, good to be sitting here chatting. I wish Paula was here. Yeah, well, Paula couldn't come over to the Scott. She's working, doing proper work, not juggling work. She's actually uh, doing stuff in back in Arkham now. Same with Lisa. She's yeah. actually being a teacher. I, I abdicated my teacher responsibilities to come here and juggle. Well, okay. Well, thanks a lot, Matt. Um, and I'll catch you um, in, a, in, a, in a future podcast. All right. Great. Thanks, man. See you in a minute. And that was it. I hope you enjoyed that. And as you heard, we'll be doing more with Matt Hall. We're going to do this workshop workshop, a workshop about workshops and getting a lot out of them or putting a lot into them, into the workshops, that is. So hopefully you'll join us um, next week for that interview or maybe the week after, depending if we've got something else to talk about next week. So uh, stick around for that. Also... Um, not so many people have been emailing recently. Uh, maybe it's because we haven't been replying to emails so much on the uh, on the podcast. But uh, please keep sending in the feedback. If you've enjoyed this, write in um, or join up with the Facebook group or something like that. We really do uh, enjoy reading all the comments. So send them to luke at juggler.net. That's the email that you need to send off to. Um, or just check out the Facebook group and send me a message via Facebook. Uh, is another way to get hold of me as well. Um, as I'm getting more into sort of keeping track of friends and family through Facebook, it's, it's quite handy that way. So uh, I think that's about it. I hope you've enjoyed podcast number 44. I certainly enjoyed recording it and meeting it with Matt Hall again. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So catch you next time. Thank you.